MailChimp presents. Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer, based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. Hello, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis. Welcome to Call Paul, a show where I get to ring up some of the most interesting minds in small business and have thoughtful conversations about their unconventional approaches to commerce. I've run my own small company for the last 21 years, and I've written books on how bigger isn't always better in business. In this season, I'm talking to folks who are prioritizing doing the right thing over just the most profitable. Some are starting something brand new, standing up their businesses in an entirely new environment. Others have been at it a while, working to ensure their continued sustainability through turbulent times. And there's a lot to learn from everyone. So I very early on uh, made a decision to uh, charge for even my side projects, and we've had a couple. Um, and that's worked out really well. <laughs> um, and also when you're doing software where you're not Twitter or Facebook, where you're trying to lure people in so that you can sell their data, it doesn't really matter if you have a ton of users. So it's a lot better to have 10, 15 or whatever paying users that then can give you feedback that you can listen to because they've actually paid than to have a couple of thousand users who are shitposting and haven't paid anything. That's Benedicta Ray. She's the co-founder of Norway-based development company Lily Labs, where in 2020 she released an encrypted menstrual cycle software called POW. Benedicta is the sort of person who makes the things she wants to see in the world, and as a software developer, was able to create POW in a way that she wanted it to work. Privacy-focused, that helps women befriend their unique cycles, and with a style that very much reflects who she is in the most wonderful way possible. It's one of those softwares that if you're a developer, you've always thought about that's one of those things you want to make because it's never perfect or really how you need it to be. But then I talked myself out of it for, I guess, 10 years or it came like back and forth into my mind. Uh, and as I kept talking myself out of it, uh, partly because it's one of those apps that there are a lot of them out there. So like, why should I make one? And do we really need another one? And sometimes, you know, a software that is like 80% good, just make it work. There's no need to make another one. And another reason was that when I had this idea the first time I was a student and I thought if I made it like a lot of the first users would be my friends and going to a party on a Friday night, I didn't really want to be, you know, in the back of my mind, 
seeing like, oh, you like this yesterday. Like it could be that, you know, the person had sex or was feeling bad or feeling good or whatever. It might not even be secret to me, but it still wasn't something that I wanted to have access to. So I kind of shelved the idea for years and years. And then two years ago, I went to the Global Diversity CFP Day, where they try to help you create talk proposals for technical conferences. So I went there and one of the things they said that one could do was to create a talk proposal on something that you would like to learn more about. That's when it kind of hit me. I was like, well, what would it take to make a privacy first menstrual cycle journal? Like what would I need to learn? What would I need to know about to make it happen? So I created a talk proposal where I kind of just wrote out, I think like six questions or like statements about what I wanted from, um, from a menstrual cycle app. Do I want it to be shared? Like, heck no. <laughs> I had like a very like bold kind of talk proposal. So I ended up sending that out and um, JSConf Budapest was the first conference to accept it. And then I got accepted by three more. You know, when it was accepted, you just got to learn it, right? So I started looking into encryption. I studied computer science, but kind of encryption used the hard, like real geeks did that. Like I kind of just always thought it was too hard, but looking into it, it was like, oh, it's not really that complex. Like I'm pretty good at math, so I could like wrap my heads around it. So the talk ended up being about end-to-end -end encryption. I decided to just uh, have a go at it and actually make the software. So that's kind of the origins, the long, long, long-winded uh, origin story. And I created the prototype and that was the fall of 2019. Yeah. So then what are the benefits of journaling about menstrual cycles? So uh, I have a personal story about this, which just working on a web app for a client and life had been really good the last couple of weeks. Like I got this. And then suddenly I was like coding along and I got this idea in my head. It's like, you need to quit everything and move to the countryside. This ain't working. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm an engineer. Let's look into that. We're going to fix this. Like something's obviously wrong. Um, and I started in on that kind of activate my system to like fix this. And then I remembered I have an app for this. So I checked my POW app and lo and behold, on exactly that day in my cycle last month, and I think even the month before, I had hashtagged want to quit everything and move to the countryside, which is a lot shorter in the region. And then I was like, okay, you know, this might be a valid feeling. Like all feelings are valid, of course, but like this is something I'm feeling right now, but it might go away in a couple of days. So let's just sit quietly in the boat is an original expression at least, and just wait this out and then circle back in a couple of days and see if, you know, that feeling is still there. And it was not. And this is like one of the reasons that I wanted to make POW the way I've made POW because the other solutions out there don't really let you see kind of what you've logged mood-wise. They're very focused on fertility. And I'm not really that concerned about that, but I want to see like, is this normal for me today? Or is this something I should look into? Yeah. So having that ability to look at patterns and reflect must be super useful. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, I did a lot of uh, traveling for my contract work. And one of the ways I used kind of the knowledge of my cycle was that we usually go out to kind of dinner and socialize after a full day of working with the client. And I know that in certain times in the cycle, I get a lot more hungover <laughs> uh, and I can also be less social. So since I know that, I can then saying that, oh, I'm going to do some errands after 
after this before I meet you up at the restaurant or I'll decline you know, the last glasses of wine because I know I won't be able to get up the next morning and do the client work. So in that way, it kind of empowers me. So the knowledge of the the cycle helps me in kind of preparing the people around me, but also myself of what kind what I want to do. Is that kind of what you want people to get out of using the app? Yes, I hope that they get that feeling that that I'm getting like, yeah, this is totally normal for me right now. It might not be kind of my favorite mood, but it is one of my moods. And I have a very good friend who's a writer here in Norway, and she has figured out that she writes really well when she's on her period. Like she's super focused and she doesn't really want any social contacts. It's like perfect. She just like goes into her like writer's uh, den and she just writes and writes and writes and writes. And then she comes out after that period and then she's ready for some more social interaction. And instead of then forcing herself to kind of be social and not utilizing that time and be because I think a lot of, especially like business um, business advice is like very linear. You're supposed to do the same thing every day. You're supposed to have the same focus every day. And maybe that doesn't work for everyone. And some of us have cycles. And uh, if you like befriend your cycle, you can then utilize the different periods for different activities. Do you feel like women befriending their cycle also helps uh, befriend other natural cycles like seasons or just connect more with nature? I definitely, I definitely think there's some aspects of that. And I have friends who are kind of more, <laughs> uh, more kind of into that like nature <laughs> route where they're like very much in, in, they go out when it's the full moon and they do rituals and stuff like that. Like I'm an engineer, so I'm not, I'm not there. But uh, what I do feel is that I guess my, my generation, or at least like the generation above me, I'm soon 40, have tried to distance themselves from the cycle actually doing anything to us. Because a lot of us were, were growing up being teased, like, oh, you're on your period. Or like, you know, women are less than. And one of the, re- one of the ways that we were less than is that we have a cycle that affects us. And that is purely negative. But I think what the new generation and then maybe our generation that, and, and that POW is a part of is that realization that, yes, we do have a cycle. And yes, it does affect me, but it doesn't have to be purely negative. If you learn our own cycle and we get that knowledge, we can kind of use it uh, in a p- more powerful way. Why the name POW and the branding of POW obviously has a very specific look to it can you talk a little bit about how that came about it was very intuitive i was like (laughs) i think i was on slack with some friends and we were like tossing like um tossing names back and forth from something they said i wrote pow and then i said it and i was like yes pow 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 like you know it's uh it's bold and it's fun instead of flowery and pink and like, oh, like we pretend that we're not even bleeding. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's just like right in your face. And I guess that's what you're saying with the, the branding. It's red. It's not light blue, as in all <laughs> period uh, commercials. Like it's always been kind of the branding around these things have always been very like pink and flowery. And so there's nothing wrong with that, but it's felt very, um, I don't know, girly in a way. And, you know, um, we're grown-ups, so and we're not it's not just something to to hide 
Um, and I've had some really nice emails coming back that they that people enjoy the branding and they really like that it's bold and less girly and not everybody you know who menstruates are like very feminine but uh, originally it was just like this is what I want and scratching my own itch so let's zoom out a bit um, because a part of part of pow is this um, this focus on on digital privacy and obviously that's something that I'm very interested in um, but I'm curious to you why um, it just in general do you think that digital privacy is important to you as a software developer so I think for me, especially with POW, the importance on it being private is that you should feel like you can log whatever you really need to log. With the solutions that were already out there, they were asking very intimate and detailed questions. They wanted things very structured. Do I really want to let this app know Like whenever I feel sad or anxious because ads can be you know, uh, manipulative if they know this about me? So apart from... With POW, it's like it started with that privacy focus in a way, but that also led me to be able to create a more journal-like software where you could use your own words and your own kind of terms and your own language, for instance. So because it's private and I can never sell the data, I can create a less structured approach because I don't need them to fit into kind of pre-approved slots. Like it's one of those things that I just feel we shouldn't, be privy to like all kinds of information about people and it's possible not to, but we just create systems where we do have access. And it, of course, it makes it easier for us uh, sometimes to fix things, you know, in the back end and, and stuff like that. So f- of course, for some software, it's, it's not needed or it's not possible, but when it is possible, why not? Like we have the technology there, we can do it. And it just feels like the right thing to do. And as a person in a country where we do have workers' rights and we have benefits and we have all those things where they would not be allowed to use any information like this on me and they probably wouldn't. But there are countries where especially, um, you know, menstrual uh, cycle information could be used against you in like a work situation like you're trying to conceive we know this so you're getting fired but we don't have to tell you that we know that you're trying to conceive and we can fire you before you're pregnant because then it's legal so tell me about how and when pow launched because you talked about earlier how pow had been an idea for 10 or so years and you were kind of wanting to do it and then you started to do these talks yeah so deciding to do a talk and not just make it is very not me so it was like when I, I was trying to like rein myself in like you don't have to make everything uh, so then i was like i'm gonna do talk because talks are then done and you're not responsible for them for the next 10 years or whatever however long power will be in existence hopefully longer uh, so I kept making the talk and I wanted to code and I wanted to code and I wanted to code. And then finally, when I was doing the slides, I was like starting to code. I couldn't help myself. And then, because Norway is a little slow on the uptake, sometimes technology, you know, with media, uh, the Norwegian kind of financial times did 
basically what the Wall Street Journal had done in talking about how these health apps, and they were focusing in on menstrual cycle apps, how they were sharing data. So I emailed the lady behind the um, article and I said, hey, well, I'm making an alternative. And then she called me up and that ended up being a full page in the Norwegian Financial Times. And obviously she asked me, so when are you launching? Because I was like talking like this was pretty far along. So I was like, I'm launching International Women's Day, March 8th. And that's how POW was actually born because I had promised, I felt in the region people, even though I guess not everybody <laughs> reads this newspaper. Uh, and I just had to make it then and release it. Um, so we pretty much released, I uh, released something I would consider a minimal viable product, like a very tiny feature set. And then my plan is to keep on improving that a little by little over at least the next 10 years. This is going to be one of my long-term projects. If everything goes according to plan, what does POW then look like next year, five years, 10 years kind of thing? Like, what, what do you, where do you want to take POW? In five years, I want POW to be, to have like a really good prediction engine. And I actually want to open source that engine to have that be something that people could play with on their own. And then around on top of that engine, I then want to make like the easiest to use uh, <laughs> app and also the most private app. But I also, for POW, we have been thinking for a long time that it would be super interesting if you could share the data with your partner or somebody else that you would like to share it with, but then in a very like, privacy-focused way so that the person who's logging has control over what is shared. And that's something we, I probably could have just started making, but it's one of those uh, features that I think is going to be really hard. And I also want to be able to let people export the data, but then again, in a privacy-friendly way where they can maybe subscribe to a calendar where they have just uh, color-coded certain parts of their cycle so that they know when they look in their Google calendar, like what that means, and they can then plan their lives a little bit around it if they want that. But the first focus now is to visualize it better and to make the prediction engine a lot better and hopefully then create some kind of open source community around the prediction engine so that we can get research into kind of research into and out of the engine, hopefully. Um, that's like a vision that I, ha I have uh, because I think that would be fun and kind of the right thing to do. How do you decide what to work on and when right now? Because POW is kind of just kind of ramping up and getting going. So how do you, how do you prioritize? So I do um, POW and then I do contract work. And I mostly do contract work during the winter because it's actually pretty nice. You know, Norway is a dark country. It's nice to have some extra structure during the winter time. And it's fairly easy in Oslo to get kind of um, contract work where you're just a kind of a hired hand, a programmer. The conventional wisdom would be like, do POW and just do POW and be like super focused on POW. And I tried to get myself into that mode and I'd done it for a couple of months. And what I find is that then I just like, I get really frustrated and I start kind of hating on POW. Like I don't like it because it's, it gets too much. So I realized I need several parts to my kind of professional life. So it works out really well now where I do POW and I also have uh, contracting work as a service. So how does YouTube fit into um, POW? What, what do you use YouTube for specifically with POW? 
So I transitioned into streaming, which I was super, super scared. So for those uh, who might not know what that is, <laughs> well, most people know what streaming is, but there is a subgenre where you code on stream. So I live code and talk through whatever I'm coding with people who are in the chat. And I was so scared when I did that the first time. I don't know why I was just like coding live. It's just been one of these things that I thought I'd never do. And then I was like, well, then you, at least you should try once. And I did it once and I really, really enjoyed it because in a small shop like ours, it's not that many people to talk to while you code. <laughs> but then I have like this hour every Sunday where I just talk and I like to talk. And then I just talk to the camera and I code and people can like chat or uh, come with suggestions and stuff like that. So that has been a, like a really um, fun surprise that that's something I really enjoy. Then it makes me very motivated to keep on going. Yeah, I would be I I would be nervous to live stream code as well. So I, I totally understand that. But I'm I'm not brave enough to actually do that. And it goes so badly. <laughs> like I code and like in an hour it's like, well, we got nothing done. But that's also how, you know, being a developer is like and I've had several people who are like, Oh, it's, it's nice to see some people where it's, you know, the actual process and not, you know, somebody who's practiced and then pretend it's their first time doing it. While I like actually haven't tried doing it before and then and doing it on stream and they can feel i guess better about themselves so pow is paid software right because you do some open source stuff and you 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 do have experience with free software so can you explain why pow is a paid software product and how you came to the decision to make it paid and not um a, a different type of revenue yeah, so in a different, uh, in another life, about eight years ago, me and another friend did uh, iPhone apps. And I don't think we ever did a free app, but at the time there was a lot of talk about apps where the free ones were getting a lot more support um, emails and a lot more bad reviews on the app store. And so I started digging into that at the time and I found some kind of marketing or sales psychology article books on this, where it's, if people don't make an active purchasing decision, they don't convince themselves that they need the stuff that they're buying. And since they haven't convinced themselves, it's easier for them to be negative about what they're buying, which makes no sense if you don't read this and you're like, yeah, okay, it does make sense because people are like, I'm going to give it away for free because I don't think it's good enough. And then they end up getting a lot more negative feedback than if they had put a price on the software they have created or the book or the course or the whatever you're making. So I very early on uh, made a decision to uh, charge for even my side projects. And we've had a couple. Um, and that's worked out really well. <laughs> um, and also when you're doing software where you're not Twitter or Facebook, where you're trying to lure people in so that you can sell their data, it doesn't really matter if you have a ton of users. So it's a lot better to have 10, 15 or whatever paying users that then can give you feedback that you can listen to because they've actually paid than to have a couple of thousand users who are shitposting and haven't paid anything. Yeah, so that seems like purposefully not focusing on um, crazy user growth at the start allows you to actually just like, you know, connect with those users more. 
when you sign up for POW, you're also, you can also sign up for um, a chat with me so I can learn more about you and, and what you want out of POW. Not many have signed up without any kind of um, extra nudge, but uh, one person did. And she talked about how her, she felt somehow that like maybe her husband even had a better kind of understanding of her cycle looking at it from the outside than she had herself because it felt like it always kind of came up like out of the blue on her. And she always felt entitled, of course, to the feelings she had, but then she didn't kind of connect that like, like these things happen, like this argument happens like at the same time every cycle. Um, so definitely, you know, knowledge is key and knowledge is power so um i hope that pow can help people uh connect the dots and collect the the knowledge they need so how has the pandemic been for you uh and also in terms of like working online and on pow on kind of the very positive side is that i feel during this year i've like reconnected with the internet like i you know, how I remember it from my teenage years where you just make friends on the internet wherever they are. I have this like Twitter group of developers that we just like met on Twitter. I can't really remember how anymore, but now we are the Natter Puppers. And Sorry, we... what's that word? Say that word again. Nat the Natter Puppers. So, it, so one of the developers is British and I think Natter it's like chatting, but none of us really in understood that. And then you can like add pop at the end to like make it cute. So it's like natter pop. And then it became like, we are the natter poppers. So it's just like kind of evolved. So kind of that side of it has been really fun for me. And also kind of that helped like reconnecting with the developer community in that way. And with people who are developers more like me, kind of more creatives than developers. So finding kind of that community online, it's the Natter Poppers, but then also in the Hacker Women is a group that I've joined and also blogging for devs, which is another group I've joined and like get it coming into that environment has made me a lot more um, kind of confident in my creative decisions uh, and also just made me enjoy the internet again i think we were i don't know a lot of us were kind of like done with the internet and then somehow at least for me this year i'm like really into kind of the internet again <laughs> and the people of the internet benedicte makes a good point about the internet the web started out weird and wholly unique and full of different voices but over time that died off it subdued itself so subtly it may not have been noticeable and it became a little homogenous in terms of style, voice, and tone. So what I like about POW is the way that Benedicta runs her business, completely by her own design. Her approach to software development on her YouTube channel and connecting with other creative coders gives me hope that the internet can be enjoyable again. It's part of why I think small businesses can succeed in markets where much larger corporations seem to be thriving. Because entrepreneurs like Benedicta can add that personal touch to her product. She can do things like phone up new customers, and she can take smart risks like designing a menstrual cycle app with a comic book style POW logo. Part of running a smaller business is that we can be beholden to things other than quarterly performance reports or investors or shareholders. We can, as Benedicta does, 
tap into a natural rhythm of working on one thing in the winter and another in the summer, or planning our months based on cycles that aren't just two-week development sprints. This is part of what draws us to working for ourselves, I think, that freedom to design both our work and our world. Next Friday, I'll be chatting with two women who are starting something new in an industry that's felt like it's been on the brink of failing for the last couple of decades. It happened in a text message and and the, the really um, outrageous thing is I live in the DC area and Akoto lives in, in Brooklyn and um, we have not seen each other in person since from that moment when we texted each other that we needed to do this to this day. <laughs> I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, you can check out the Small Business Spotlight, also in the Call Paul feed. They're audio diaries from business owners, giving you a behind-the-scenes peek at the day-to-day of running a company. These stories are pretty great. I think you'll really enjoy them. Call Paul is wonderfully produced by Ruth Eddy and is a MailChimp original podcast. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast player so you can check out all our other episodes and seasons. And if you want more awesome content, check out MailChimp.com slash presents.